Welcome to the Catholic Cafe, where all that the Catholic Church believes and teaches is served fresh daily. So come on in and see what's on the menu today. Now, here's your host, Deacon Jeff Drzymski. Hello, 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 and welcome to the Catholic Cafe. I'm Deacon Jeff, and I am sitting in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe with my good friend, my Christian friend, Tom Dorian. Thank you. You're my Christian friend. Oh, you're my Christian friend as well. Well, I appreciate that. Well, we should probably define Christian friend, shouldn't we? I think we're going to get that definition today. That's our topic. We're talking about Christian friendship. Yes, sir. And so we decided to bring someone in who might know something about Christian friendship. Another expert. That's right. He's been here before. It's Anthony Marinese. Yes, Anthony. Uh, you know what? In fact, what's interesting about Anthony is he's like the world's youngest theologian. Did you know? He's like four years old. <laughs> Have you noticed that? He's a, he's a, he's a bright wake. He's not four. But he is a bright, he's a bright young man. Absolutely. Um, you know, Anthony is the director of the Faith Development Program for Christian Athletics at Christian Brothers High School mm-hmm. in Memphis. Mm-hmm. And he's also a major of religious studies at Christian Brothers University. So, Anthony, welcome to the Catholic Cafe and the luxurious corner booth. Thank you. I'm just a tad older than four. Though. How much? Uh, just yeah. a tad? Or just just a, few? a tad. Yeah. Uh, you look young. Uh, thank you. <laughs> and I'm always excited when we have young people that are excited about our Catholic faith. It's always a good thing. That's right. That's the future of the church. The future of the church is sitting right in front of us, Tom. We're in good hands. That's right. Well, listen, we need to talk about Christian friendship. I know, Anthony, that we are inundated now with technology. We, we look around the world and we see you got to be blind if you don't know mm-hmm. about Facebook and about Twitter, uh, just all the different blogging sites that are out there. And people are now just really tuned in to the Internet and just this sort of virtual communication, virtual friendship thing. And I think it's really probably had a big impact on what people think friendship and, and acquaintances and uh, knowledge of another person are just by virtue of the fact that they're not sitting in front of them. You're right. And so in light of that, Anthony, what are all those technologies really doing to friendships and in general how are they uh, affecting our relationship with each other the technologies themselves are not always that bad sometimes they're they're used to help us maintain our sense of connectivity with one another especially a ton of college age students like myself have friends who go to school far away it's a good way to keep tabs on each other but i think the reliance that we place on these on these technologies like Facebook and MySpace and Twitter that you mentioned, um, we forget the value of face-to-face interaction, and we forget the value of actually meeting them and seeing them holistically for the people that they are. We start to base our opinions on how many Facebook friends that person has, basically to base a judgment off of their popularity or uh, social status, something of that nature. You know, I think my uh, my one of my sons has uh, like dated and broken up with a girl with never actually having you know seen her. It's all been in text. You'll see her every once in a while, and it's like, hey, uh, text me, you know. And they they have their whole relationship. He broke up with her uh, while texting, and so that's kind of a strange thing. And uh, we had a long talk about that. Don't get me wrong. Uh, and I and I think that's actually. Uh, People trivialize, I think, relationships when they start using technology and they sort of stand behind this uh, anonymity and, that comes with that technology. They do. They develop a greater sense of, of bravery because you can say something to somebody in a text format that you would never say in person. And then also there are things that you can't adequately convey 
to somebody through media that you could in person, like emotion, like love. You can't hug somebody on Facebook. You can't tell them, you know, I'm sorry for your loss or I'm supporting you. But can't you, you send them those virtual hugs? Is that not the same thing, <laughs> Those Anthony? are worthless. <laughs> those are worthless. I totally understand. Well, I agree. And, and I'm not down on technology. I love technology. We use technology here at the Catholic Cafe, and it's an awesome way for me to get emails from Australia, from Spain, those, those are great blessings that I get from God to be able to hear these people from faraway lands that I'd never probably get an opportunity to see. And so that part is good, but I think that we start to suffer when we develop so much of a dependence on that technology to replace that face-to-face contact. That's absolutely true. We, we become dependent on that as the source of communication and and lose all sight of what the true value of friendship is. Well, let's talk about friendship. If we're losing the v- true value of what friendship is, as you just said, I guess we have to sort of create a gold standard. Right. And we should probably talk about, we titled this program Christian Friendship. We did. And so maybe we should talk about what is a Christian friendship? What does that mean? Well, a Christian friendship, um, a little bit similar to an ordinary friendship in the common vernacular, contains the sense of mutuality as well as... Uh, particularities that um, unite people together, such as trust and affection, but it brings in um, several different individuals as parties to one friendship. Um, A Christian friendship dwells in a love we call philia, which is one of the four types of love. That's brotherly love, right? That's brotherly love. Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. That's absolutely right. You have um, in in the scale of the different four types of love, you know, at, at the bottom you have eros, which is just your love of desire, your want, your affection. Then you move up the ladder a little bit to storge, that's your love for your family. You go up one more and ascend philia, that's your brotherly love, your love for your friends. What makes that one so great is that there's no real compelling factor that makes you say, wow, I have to love this person on a moment-by-moment basis. It's a pure choice that you constantly have to make. And then we have at the top that love of God, that unconditional love that's agape. And Christian friendship, we come to understand through that type of philia. We develop that philia, that brotherly love with our friends, and that brings in three different parties to the friendship. Ourself, the other, whom we befriend, and then Jesus Christ, who is present in the Christian friendship. Hence the name Christian friendship. That's and right. It also is a really neat kind of way to live out the body of Christ, the whole concept that we are bound together as one body in Christ. And, and that Christian friendship is made true and whole by the presence of Christ in that friendship. That's right. I know that there's different aspects of friendship or different types of friendships. And so maybe we should kind of go through some of those different types of friendships to kind of understand how you can divide that word friendship up. Absolutely. Uh, There's a a pretty influential saint. His name is St. Elred of Riveau, and he wrote a book in the uh, Middle Ages. Um, It was called Spiritual Friendship, and he highlights the three different types of friendship that we Um, are apt to experience in this world and in this life. Um, He begins kind of like the hierarchy of loves. He begins with the lowest and then excels to the highest type. The the lowest that he calls is carnal friendship. The nexus or the center of that is one rooted primarily in in lust or, you know, a desire for pleasure, things like that. That's the physical attraction part. That's the physical attraction. And, and, you know, the common terms that we would use today are friends with benefits or, um, you know, if you, you go have a hookup with somebody, that's that, that casual kind of sexual relationship that has absolutely 
uh, no meaning, and it, it's very unfulfilling. Um, G.K. Chesterton said something um, pretty influential in, in regards to this. He said, every person who knocks at the door of a brothel is looking for God. So most often these people have um, who pursue these carnal fl- friendships have a misplaced idea of the type of love that they want to receive. They're looking for God, but they're not necessarily going to find God in that particular relationship. That's right. That's right. Yeah, exactly. Well, what other kind of friendships we have? We have carnal, and then what's carnal, the next kind? we have worldly, uh, which is rooted in an advantageous gain. That's the whole purpose for that friendship. Um, it happens a lot in business relationships, but it also is something that we, we might also call a social acquaintanceship because it revolves around the fact that each party can contribute something or bring some kind of gain to the friendship. And that's what sustains it, is that that gain that both people provide is the, is the entire purpose of the friendship. The minute that one or both parties stop being useful is the minute the friendship itself stops. As worldly friends, well, it's what I can get out of it, what your value is. You see a lot of uh, what the value of the human being then becomes like, what can you provide? What can you do for me and for anyone else in the world? That's right. That's right. And finally, though, once we get past those, we have the greatest that St. Elred talks about. And this is the one that that we aim to achieve in, in our Christian life, in our Catholic life, is the spiritual friendship. And the center of that friendship is obviously... Jesus Christ and that spiritual union that extends to each member in the friendship with Christ at the center. In other words, in this spiritual friendship, you actually begin to see through the eyes of Christ the interior soul of that other person. You begin to see them for who they really are and appreciate them for who they really are unconditionally. Really, this is where we're inviting Christ into the relationship. That's right. That's right. St. Elred, in his book, Spiritual Friendship, Uh, adapts a quote from uh, the first letter of St. John, which uh, is the infamous letter of love, where he talks about God as love and things along that nature. And he substitutes a line from the first letter of St. John um, with the word friendship, since philia is a type of love. He said, he that abides in friendship abides in God and God in him. So with God at the center of the friendship, each member in the friendship starts to look at each other person as if though God is truly dwelling in them, which God truly does dwell in all of us because we're created in his image in the first place. So so obviously if you have a relationship built purely on physical attraction, you're still rooted in that carnal relationship, right? right? If you're still worried solely about the body and the pleasures that come from the body, that's where you are in that carnal relationship. And, of course, if you're really worried about what you can get out of life or what you can get out of your friend or uh, money, power, authority, things like this, then you're sort of trapped in that sort of worldly friendship. And then, of course, the epitome of friendship, the ideal friendship, is that spiritual friendship that we can have when we invite Christ into that relationship. That's absolutely right. And, unfortunately, when it comes to understanding the first two types of friendship that we talked about, the carnal and the worldly, ultimately what seems to be there, the greatest source within both of those friendships is ultimately what is lacking in each. Absolutely. Very well said. We're going to talk more about Christian friendship in just a moment when we come back. Uh, First, I want to remind everyone we have a wonderful website, www.thecatholiccafe.com. I also want to have you email me uh, at deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. And so, if you want to still be my friend, you'll come back in just a moment. I'm Bess Drzemski. 
And this is another great moment in church history. St. Elred of Raveau was born in Durham in northern England early in the 12th century. His parents saw great promise in him from a very young age, and so he was sent to the Scottish court to receive an education and possible preparation for a life of nobility. After his education, St. Elred rose quickly in the ranks at the Scottish court, eventually becoming master of the house for none other than King David of Scotland. However, after only a short time in this high-ranking position, he began to hear another calling from deep within his very soul. He was quickly realizing that there was to be more to his life than earthly wealth and power, more to his life than serving an earthly king. He was being called to serve the heavenly king of kings. He resigned his post as master of the house and joined the Cistercian monks at their monastery at Raveau in Yorkshire, England, where he eventually became abbot. Finally, he felt at peace and at home within this spiritual brotherhood. His prayer life blossomed. He reveled in the new and fruitful Christian friendships he developed during his time at Raveau, among them one with St. Bernard of Clairvaux. Through these friendships, St. Elred began to experience great insights into the many blessings of a human friendship that is centered on the love of Christ. St. Elred said, Here we are, you and I, and I hope a third, Christ, is in our midst. In his work, Mirror of Charity, St. Elred writes, If someone wishes to savor the joy of brotherly love with greater perfection and delight, he must extend even to his enemies the embrace of true love. In another of his great works, his treatise on spiritual friendship, St. Elred speaks of a friendship that is founded solely on the love of Jesus himself. He tells us, Here is a true and perfect friendship, solid and eternal, a friendship that envy does not corrupt, suspicion does not diminish, or ambition wipe out. It does not cease even under such a trial, even under such a battering it does not collapse. Assailed with abuse, it stands firm. Beaten with insults, it does not bend. St. Elred died in 1167. His feast day is celebrated on January 12th. I'm Bess Trzymski, and this is another great moment in church history. Welcome back to the Catholic Cafe. Here's Deacon Jeff. And Tom and I are back in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe. We're joined with our friend Anthony Maranese. Anthony, you doing okay? Doing great. Well, we're great. going to keep going down this Christian friendship path. It's perfect. And I know we were just talking about those three types of friendship, the carnal, the worldly, and that spiritual friendship, the one that's got Christ involved in it. Now, how would a person evaluate their friendships, their current relationships they're in right now, and determine, Do we are we able to determine what kind of friendship we're in? We are. And one of the beautiful things about that is that God gives us free will, which precludes the fact that we have moral standing and we have a conscience. We are able to differentiate, for the most part, between right and wrong. And we can kind of get a sense on which type of friendship we're involved in through our conscience or through our through our moral understanding. If we're 
with someone, we're involved in a friendship solely because of our physical attractiveness to them. And the whole reason, the whole reason we like to hang around them is to admire that beauty or somehow exploit that beauty. Go ahead and say it's sex. We're talking about sex here. Like if you're in a relationship for that physical charge, right, for the sex, if you're, if that's the only reason you're having that relationship, that's right. That's a carnal. That's friendship. definitely carnal. That is a a, a clue right there. This that is one that we want to bring. avoid. Yeah. That's correct. And then also, if you're involved in a friendship where the whole purpose and soul being, uh, soul connectivity of that friendship is something you can exhaust from the other person, something you can gain from them. Let's say you have a friend who has a great deal of money. And, you know, they're constantly offering to take you out to dinner and things like that. And then suddenly they have a financial crisis. That money's no longer there. Well, they're so no, so no longer is the friendship. Kids in high school, they'll have a good friend who has a car. Indeed. You know, a lot of times kids don't have cars. They're like, hey, let's, get a, let's be Bob's friend. Bob's got a car. You that's know? right. Uh, and so I could see where you then would say that's a worldly friendship because you're actually instigating and propagating that friendship based on the fact that he's got a car. That's and if he ever loses his car, he's not so much a great friend anymore to you. That's right. That's, that's a worldly friendship. Right. Rather unfortunately in most cases. Actually, you know what? Fortunately, uh, there's no way that we can uh, traverse the void and become a spiritual friend with people with whom we have these carnal or worldly friendships. So what you're saying is if you have a carnal or worldly friendship, it's not going to... It's not going to elevate to a spiritual friendship. It's that not. It's, you're not going to have a Christian friendship with someone on which you've built the basis of that friendship on either carnal or worldly. Fortunately, things. the best the best advice in that case is to just tear it down and start all over. Just say, you know what, this is not going to work out. We both need a more stable, more secure, more meaningful type of friendship. What can we do to get that? Well, you have to involve your spirituality. You have you know, to. I, I bring think the stuff we've just talked about in the last couple of minutes is probably the thing that is plaguing our society the most right now. The fact that people have become so, I don't know, distorted in their view and understanding of what true Christian friendship is. And so they follow down this path, as G.K. Chesterton was talking about, looking for God, but they're. Uh, what was the song, Looking for Love in All the Wrong Places? Right. I mean, that's essentially what's going on here. It is indeed. I guess what we want to talk about is if a, a carnal and worldly friendship cannot turn into a spiritual friendship, then maybe what we need to look at is why is that? And I imagine that there are some impediments or some challenges to a Christian friendship that won't allow that to happen. What are some of those those challenges to a Christian friendship? Um, St. Francis de Sales, one of our famous doctors of the church, often said, Friendship demands very close correspondence between those who love one another, otherwise it can never take root or continue. And he said that in his famous uh, introduction to the devout life that he wrote. So one necessary component to friendship is interaction or frequent communication. So if we obviously don't frequently communicate with our friends, then that's that's a challenge to it. That's something that we may call a, a sin in the friendship. Well, okay, so what, what other kind of sins might hinder that kind of a relationship, a Christian friendship? Slander. Uh, so you're obviously. talking bad about somebody, and that's certainly right. that's going to be in, get in the way of your friendship. That's right. Uh, you'd question <laughs> whether or not there's a friendship there at all. Ignorance of one another's well-being. So uh, like if you don't care really uh, or don't really know or you're not concerned with what they're getting out of the relationship and how they're doing etc if you're ignorant of that either by choice or just by selfishness you're sort of making it difficult to have a true christian friendship and the nature of a christian friendship would involve 
knowing and caring about the other person. As would all forms of Christian love involve selflessness. And like you, like you just said, that ignorance of one another's well-being involves that component of selfishness. So selfishness is another challenge to friendship. Um, broken promises. So if you don't, you can't be trusted. That's right. Right? That's you can't right. be trusted. And so what about other kinds of sin or corruption? Absolutely. Corruption is a, is a major one. If, if one member of the friendship um, does something, says something, acts in a way that wants to detract um, the other member from that relationship that they have clearly established with Christ, then, then that is probably the greatest sin that we face. Well, I love one of the other things that you had pointed out earlier that uh, St. Francis de Sales said. And St. Francis, by the way, is a, is a wonderful doctor of the church. And he's got so many uh, beautiful, wonderful writings. And, and he said, friendship cannot thrive where sin is present. Of course, he's talking about mortal sin. He's talking about that serious sin that separates you from God. Well, if you preclude God from your relationship, if you don't have a relationship with God, you can't have a true friendship or relationship with another person. That's right. Now, I know that the last time we had you on, we asked you to reach back into your past and give us some examples maybe in your own life in which you've experienced some of this, the topic of the day. Well, if we're talking about Christian friendship... And we're now talking about sort of sins against Christian friendship. Have you experienced in your own life situations that, that you'd like to bring to bear? I've had two um, very, very close kind of friendship stories that are very close to my heart. Um, the first one uh, didn't involve so much sins against the friendship as as did the second one. The first was with uh, my papal, who was my maternal grandfather, whom I'm often referred to as my first and still best friend that I ever know now that he's... He's in heaven. He passed away in 2003. We were extremely close, and um, it was I was only about age 9 or 10 when he passed away. So our friendship was certainly still developing, but then um, through through God's own divine will and plan, he was, he was called home. So I had to kind of wrestle with the fact that I'm going to um, have to keep my friendship strong with my papa, but through the communion of saints, through the fact that... We're still united, even though um, he's in heaven and I'm still left here. St. Paul tells us in the book of Romans, he says that even death can separate us from the love of Christ. I mean, we're members of the body of Christ even after death. And so that's an important thing for us Catholics to remember that even though your papa is gone and my great-grandmother or whatever who I had a great relationship with, they're not gone. They're not in our physical presence right now. That's right. That's awesome. And then you had another story. Um, an individual uh, and I, we were great friends for a long period of time. Uh, one day, this girl and I uh, began having these, these feelings for one another. Um, we weren't adequately considering how important our friendship really was with each other, and we kind of rushed into um, an affectionate relationship. And then later, we we realized what this was doing to that solid friendship that we had at the beginning, um, and we decided it kind of against what both of us really wanted. We wanted to kind of continue dating, but we didn't want that entire friendship to be destroyed. But unfortunately, by the time we came to that realization, it was a little bit too late. So now uh, we don't really talk that much anymore, uh, whether that be for the sake of awkwardness or what have you. Um, And from that experience, I kind of gained a realization into what um, a great Catholic priest um, who has since passed away, Father Henri Nouwen, once said, when others stop loving you, you do not have to stop loving them. And this is, of course, not in that um, affectionate sense, to you know, that which brought us to the the period of dating one another, but in that in that friendship sense. Even though we may not communicate much anymore, um, I still pray for her. I'd like to thank that she still prays for me, and we still want good things for each other. Well, I appreciate your honesty, and that's an opportunity for us to sort of evaluate in our own lives 
do we have situations where maybe we might have had some either some carnal tendencies or thoughts and maybe some worldly thoughts and we started to build that relationship there and welcome to the world anthony you know exactly. we see this all the time right and then <laughs> somehow we often. realized uh, you, through god's good graces you realize that maybe that's not where your relationship or the foundation on which your relationship should have been built and so what did you do? You went back and sort of, like, we're going to start from ground zero. We're going to start over again. That's right. And there's difficulty. I mean, we're humans. We have emotions. Uh, sometimes we our emotions get the better of us. And so now you don't necessarily have the relationship you want to have with that with that young lady. And who knows? Maybe uh, that will work out for the better. But at least you get to see in this opportunity why it's important to start building those relationships with the right foundation, right? Certainly. Certainly. Well, so what we ought to do is, is, in summing up, we should look at, well, I'll just ask the last question. How do we as human beings, how do we benefit spiritually, emotionally, socially from, from the Christian friendship? And what is it about a Christian friendship that is going to give us sort of this holistic benefit? Spiritually, it's very clear what we gain from a Christian friendship, from a spiritual friendship. Um, God is through Jesus Christ is entirely present within our friendship. He is that silent but ever-present third party within that friendship that unites us, that compels us to love one another as he first loved us. Um, Emotionally, we gain that connectivity with one another. We have a support system in our friendships, uh, even more so in our Christian friendship, because there's something that Christian friends do for one another that just carnal or worldly friendships don't, and that's pray for and actually care unconditionally for each other. And then, of course, socially, we have someone to pal around with. We have someone to share in our joys and also in our sorrows. We never face this journey alone. That's right. And I hope that everyone who's listening really understands just how important it is, how essential it is that Jesus Christ be involved in all of our relationships. And really, not just involved, but really be the foundation and the basis of all yeah, our relationships. what's so appropriate about our topic, or what's so cool about our topic, I think, is what we talked about, I think, earlier, and that is the, the whole program kind of got it, its roots are in the Curcio movement. And in the Curcio movement, one of the things they teach you is that you should make a friend, be a friend, bring a friend to Christ. Uh, so this is such an appropriate topic. Uh, that ties in so neatly with this this show. I think it's really good. Absolutely. You can't have a Christian friendship if Christ is not present. Exactly. And if Christ is present and it's a true, it's a true friendship, all those wonderful benefits, spiritually, emotionally, socially, all those things are brought to bear, and it's a beautiful, wonderful thing. Oh, it's, it's flourishing, It's in it, and it it's fruitful. It is beautiful. Very right. good. Anthony, thank you so much for sharing with us about uh, Christian friendship. Thank you all for having me on yet again. Absolutely. We wonder, we're going to have you back again. Thank you. Let's close in prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. amen. Heavenly Father, you sent your only Son, Jesus Christ, as a model of true Christian love and true Christian friendship. Help us to invite the love of the Son into our friendships, that they may draw us ever nearer to you and life eternal in heaven. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to The Catholic Cafe. If you'd like to contact Deacon Jeff, send an email to deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. The Catholic Cafe is brought to you by the Order of Malta Federal Association and is broadcast with ecclesial permission from J. Terry Stive, Bishop of Memphis in Tennessee. Join us again at the Catholic Cafe. 
There's always room for one more at our table. 